know you're here. Welcome to Satanists on Cinema. We're your hosts, Satanist Cameron John and Reverend Campbell. Satanists on Cinema is a film review and commentary series that replicates itself in the hopes that it can then reproduce with itself, creating future generations of Satanists on Cinema to provide me mediocre at best rambling reviews and completely off-topic commentaries. Welcome to our on-the-run review of Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, you know those Blade Runners are coming after us. Yeah, probably. That's fine. It's, my eyes are pretty dry. They won't be able to see shit. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, well, this is, again, an older film at this point. I mean, there's a, a Church of Satan review of this film and discussion of this film out there. For those of you who like listening to people rant and rave about this film. Uh, so go over to the Church of Satan YouTube channel to check that out. It's definitely worth it. But... We want to talk about it, too. And since we've just been doing horror film after horror film after horror film of varying quality, uh, we figured it's time to do something a little bit different. So a sci-fi. And who knows? Maybe yeah. next time we'll do like a romantic comedy. I, you know what? I was actually going to talk to you about that off air. Right. I got one lined up we should do. All right. All right. A little teaser there for everyone. <laughs> uh, first of all, let me just say, for those of you tuning in live, thank you so much for tuning in live. You don't have to be in chat, but if you want to. I'll say hi. <laughs> be a whole lot cooler if you yeah, it'd be a whole lot cooler if you did. <laughs> uh, the log line for Blade Runner 2049 is, Young Blade Runner K's discovery of a long-buried secret leads him to track down former Blade Runner Rick Deckard, who's been missing for 30 years. This is directed by Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve? I don't know how to say his name. Uh, screenplay is by Hampton Fancher and Michael Green. The story is actually by... Hampton Fancher, based on characters from the novel Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep by Philip K. Dick. Uh, the executive producer on this was Ridley Scott. He had to step back from directing duties. The music is by Benjamin Wallfish and Hans Zimmer, and the cinematography is by Roger Deakins, and I bring both of those up because both are stellar in this film. Absolutely stellar. Absolutely. Uh, it was released on October 6, 2017. Again, it's a little bit older now, but it's still absolutely beautiful to watch it had a budget of 150 to 185 million and it only brought in 260.5 million <laughs> only <laughs> well it's like twice what they spent on it but this should have been like a huge box office smash uh, but for some reason these blade runner films just don't do well in the box office it's a genre movie that's why yeah. like genre is the kind of shit like horror sci-fi shit like that is usually after the fact with cult followings yeah i'd be interested to because i didn't look it up but to see what the digital and physical disc distribution is uh you know adding to that total um mm -hmm. gross revenue um anyway imdb gives it 8.0 out of 10 stars it is 88% certified fresh on rotten tomatoes with an 81% audience score and i say that's pretty damn accurate um <laughs> Critics loved this film. Men between 18 and 35 loved this film. I have no idea why. Women? No idea. Not so much. 
<laughs> and we'll talk a little bit about that. It stars Ryan Gosling as the Blade Runner K, Dave Batusta as cameos Batista, Batista, Batista as Sapper Morton, uh, the first. Uh, I don't, what do they call him again? They're um, replicant, but it's like it's rogue replicant or something like that. Right? Oh, yeah. I think it's Rogue or something like that. Anyway, uh, Edward James Olms is Gaff. Anna de Armas is Joy. Harrison Ford comes back as Rick Deckard. Sylvia Hoax is Love. Robin Wright is Lieutenant Joshi. Mackenzie Davis is Mariette. Carla Jury is Dr. Anna Stellan. Lenny James is Mr. Cotton. And Jared Leto as Neander Wallace. And I love Jared Leto in this film. I really, really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. All right, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the, the story, and then we'll get into some more of the you know the awards and the commentary the the theories and stuff like that but before we jump into the narrative of what happens leon j thanks for joining us man valeria how are you hun vasuri what up jordan thanks for joining us behemoth how you doing zachary i feel like it's been a long time but i don't think it's been a long time how you doing um dog always great to see you all right people here we go we're going to be talking about this uh so yeah leon's doubling down on what you said there cameron it's a niche genre and uh she has uh zachary course, says yes those genres are like yeah. what's considered genre like your horror your sci-fi stuff like that yeah outside of like your typical you know comedies or uh you know dramas like most of that shit it's yeah it's you find it after the fact and that's why it's consumed i feel like we're in this strange time as far as film goes and this goes back maybe a decade um, or maybe a little bit less than a decade but since superhero films have been pulling so much focus away from other types of films i do believe that like just regular dramas in theaters don't perform very well uh, regular comedies don't perform as well regular sci-fi doesn't perform as well because all of the money is being sapped from consumers mm -hmm. from these huge tent pole superhero films. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, well, it's, it's, it's distribution of funds have changed so much uh, just, you know, with piracy, digital distribution, all that stuff, that there's no middle ground. And that's why we really don't see that much. Um, Cause I mean, of course there's plenty of movies that are pumped out, but there's no money for advertising, marketing, shit like that. And they're just not getting made really. So yeah. it's, a, it's a shame. I feel like we have to give a, a banana sticker uh, for the most awkward name in the chat room. And I think DJ Rape Canal Official wins that awkward name. That's the, definitely. <laughs> there's got to be an award for that. That's <laughs> weird. That's a weird name, dude. <laughs> That's a, Okay. So uh, the log line is pretty much the basis of this, right? Like, yeah. we know the Blade Runner universe. If you saw this and you didn't see the first Blade Runner or the 87,000 versions of the original? There's only like 5 or 20. Come yeah. on. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Point being, if you haven't seen Blade Runner yet and you don't really know the story, this is like the best version of a dystopian future film I, I think you can actually ask for. It's, it's just the best setting of what could be if technology and corporations ran amok. Um, yeah. You know, there's other films like Avatar that came much later than the original Blade Runner that showed a pretty good, you know, minute glimpse into a dystopian future, but he just stole it from Blade Runner. So, like, and the only other time you get it is with Alien, and there's arguments to be said that they're the same universe. So, fuck you, 
Blade Runner's the best. I mean, that'd be pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so so from... Oh, thanks, Dallas. Appreciate it, man. Uh, from the original Blade Runner to this one, a lot has happened, right? Mm -hmm. So replicants... Well, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, that's the nice thing, too. Like, if you've never seen the original, I mean, one, shame on you. Yeah. Uh, two, the opening sets it all up. Like, you get the nice cards of, this is the year, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and the distant future type of shit. So you don't necessarily have to watch the first one in order to appreciate this, but you probably should watch it. And kind of like when the Matrix trilogy came out, they had all these little, like, cartoon in-betweens uh, to help explain the universe. Uh, this did, too. So you can go on YouTube, I think, and it's all there. But there's, like, it's also, in like, extras of the DVD. Yeah, there's, like, cartoon sequences before this film um, to set up the universe about the blackout. So it was, like, right before the blackout, during the blackout, and after the blackout to help kind of bridge the gap between the two. Though, like you said, the title cards. See, it's crazy because it. it's it's not that big of a difference because the the first film took place in what twenty twenty, yeah. and this takes place you know, twenty nine years later. That's not really that big of a gap. No, but the, so, there is a a big leap as far as um, the replicants go because oh yeah, absolutely. You know, under the um, Tyrell Corporation from the original Blade Runner, the replicants were regularly going rogue, like they were just. <laughs> breaking free and what you uncover in this is that they were actually evolving in ways mm -hmm. that no one thought they could um so much so that in the original there was this huge question mark in the original film of whether harrison ford's character was a replicant or not because mm -hmm. there was such this evolution that you couldn't tell anymore um which is of course answered in this film because yeah. <laughs> he, he was spoiler um so yeah, so uh, Kay goes to do a job and finds this rogue uh, guy, uh, destroys the rogue replicant doing his job, but then he realizes there's this huge dead tree. And so he has his little awesome droid friend. Yeah, I don't know, you can't call it a droid, but a drone, no, it was a drone. partner. <laughs> like do this deep earth scan, realize there's the box under there. They went down and uh, dragged it up and found bones. They ended up being replicant bones. Here's what I don't understand. It, I don't think it was explained in the film. How did the Wallace Corporation, um, specifically Neander Wallace, Jay Leto, Jared Leto's character, know that there was a baby? Like there was, it was never alluded to. It no was, idea. Yeah. Like it was never yeah. answered. He just knew. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That bugs me. <laughs> I I didn't even consider that. It's just like, oh, of course he's gonna know. He's like the fucking richest man in the future. Yeah, and he's totally cyber enhanced <laughs> in mm -hmm. a very cool way. Yeah, like super dope as fuck looking. Um, so that kind of bugged me that there's two concurrent storylines. So you have Blade Runner K, who is running through this, trying to discover the mystery of these bones, realizes that it was a replicant and that the replicant had offspring, which cannot happen. And yet it did. And so the police department, the L.A. police department is trying to shut it down immediately for fear of this war between replicants and non-replicants. Because if it comes out, the replicants can actually replicate themselves. <laughs> through fucking then uh what's human anymore you know yeah. i mean really uh so it's just a war of races and one just happens to be 
totally more enhanced. But this new version of Replicant that came out of the Wallace Corporation that bought up all of the Tyrell Corporation's IPs and sort of refined and perfected, supposedly, the process of creating Replicants, he realizes that he cannot create Replicants as fast <clears throat> as they need to be replicated in order to colonize more than nine worlds. Nine worlds, people. What does that mean? Uh, I thought it was ten. No, it was nine. He made a whole big point about saying, um, nine worlds is not enough. It should be more than that. And I just and it stuck in my head because nine and yeah, know, yeah. the devil. But Satan. <laughs> Satan. Uh I just thought it was a funny little tongue in cheek thing. Anyway, so the only way to do it is to make replicants be able to replicate themselves, right? But he couldn't figure it out. And he tried, he said. And so if he realizes now, somehow mysteriously, that the old versions of replicants could do it at least once, then he can then backward engineer if he can get his hands on this damn baby. <laughs> Ironically, he's been working with the baby the whole fucking time. Um, and so uh, that starts off the story, right? So he's trying to find the kid, the replicated child, in order to backward engineer and create more. Um, mm -hmm. Kay is trying to find it to destroy it. And hijinks ensue because it... <laughs> yeah, it yes. makes it sound like Benny Hill or something like. Um, but really, it's just Kay going uh, down this spiral of trying to figure out where this replicant came from and being convinced that ultimately he thinks he is the replicant uh, until he discovers Deckard and they get attacked by the Wallace Corporation and separated. Deckard is taken by the Wallace Corporation. He is actually rescued by. Um, uh, oh, what damn it! What was it called? It was like a, a, a replicant, a, a, a rogue group of replicants that were protecting the child and that were like trying to save the old versions of replicants and stuff. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I, can't, I can't remember for the life of me. Yeah, there's actually a name for it. But anyway, um, during his journey of tr trying to get to Deckard, ultimately, is trying to figure out where he's getting this memory from that shares the same date as the birthday of the child. And he ends up going to one of the places that uh, generates replicant memories and asks if the memory is real. The, the doctor that tells him that, uh, you know, obviously is one of the best memory makers um, who is contracted out through the Wallace Corporation, not works directly for them, which helps explain why there was that missing connection between the two and, and that Wallace didn't figure out that that was the actual rep, the baby. Um, uh identifies that yeah the 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 dream is real and that's what convinces Kay that he is actually the baby um and you know time and everything matches up with you know his creation and stuff like that so ultimately just as far as the story goes um he is told the police department that he destroyed the baby when uh he comes in and is realized to be rogue himself so they have to destroy him the police officer uh lieutenant gives him 48 hours to get out of dodge essentially um mm -hmm. before they start hunting him uh because they've worked so well together in the past the wallace corporation uh joy is it it's love love uh comes in kills the police uh, uh lieutenant in order to find the baby uh captures Deckard brings yeah brings him back to the Wallace Corporation headquarters where he has a one-on-one -on -one with Jared Leto's character uh basically saying I'm going to torture you until you tell us and we're going off world so we can do it legally illegally not the way to do it <laughs> I guess I don't know 
I figure with his resources, it doesn't matter if you're off world or not. Yeah, you, you can I would imagine. The story, I guess, but whatever. Um, anyway, so uh, it all culminates in this uh, trying to rescue slash kill Deckard in order to stop, uh, in order to preserve the secret of the child, who at this point, Kay realizes who it actually is. And so he goes in trying to stop Love from killing or taking Deckard off world. He was told by the uh, replicant group to kill Deckard to protect the child, but he doesn't want to kill Deckard um, because he's evolving, even though he's part of the later generation of the Wallace Corporation replicants, um, which is this sort of beautiful thesis that life will find a way, you know, going back to Jurassic Park, of evolving on its own, regardless of where that life comes from originally, which is kind of beautiful and, and nice. Um, anyway, some of the greater themes that were explored in this were certainly um, AI. I mean, his AI, uh, Kay's AI uh, companion was just fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I hope we can have stuff like that in the future. I would like <laughs> Yeah, that'd be pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, ultimately, it ends with Kay rescuing Deckard from uh, jo uh, Love and then taking Deckard to his child, who he'd never seen before because he gave it up so that it could never be found, to that rogue uh, replicant group. Um, and Deckard dies from the wounds sustained during the fight. Uh, it's, it's a really beautiful film, allegorically. The cinematography is off the fucking charts. The music is beyond, beyond. It so, is very Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it is very much yeah. Hans Zimmer. Um, so what do you think about this? Like I, before we go to like favorite or not favorite mm -hmm. parts or anything, but just in general, some of the themes, what really stood out to you? Um, not just as a fan of the genre, but also as a Satanist because it is relevant. Um, I mean, shit, the biggest thing that I took away from the movie is just the whole consideration of what is existence, what is life, yeah. you know, how, cause I mean, that's Kay's whole struggle through this is I'm not real but I feel like I'm real. Am I real? And you can almost see him kind of lose his shit when his sergeant or lieutenant, whatever, is like, oh, it's okay. You don't have a soul. <laughs> like, you just see this little twinge on his face of like, bitch, are you sure? <laughs> Fucking yeah. love that part. And then the end, like his death. Oh, my God. Because, you know, when he first comes into contact with the, the rogue faction of replicants, they say, you know, what's more human than dying for something that you believe in? Yeah. And then just seeing the peace on his face as he knows that this is what he's dying for. Kay had such a wonderful shit. arc. It's, the whole <laughs> film starts with a replicant telling him, you're not divergent because you're not rogue because you haven't seen a miracle yet. Mm -hmm. Telling him that a miracle is coming. He realizes there there's a miracle and it actively changes how he sees himself. Because if you can be born, even as replicant, as you just mentioned, you inevitably must have a soul, right? And that is such a foreign and, and sort of magical concept to an android, essentially. Um, but it's one that drives this particular replicant. It's, it's something genuinely beautiful about Frankenstein's monster realizing that even though he was created, he can touch and be a part of humanity and ultimately become 
a, a, a godlike creature himself through his own actions, a hero, as it were, and have his own hero's journey. And, and you know, if, if there's no other parallel that I could connect, it would definitely be the, you know, the Frankenstein's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Frankenstein's monster's journey. It was just, it's a fucking beautiful story. I can't. It really is. I can't get past it. And I wish more people saw it in the theater because seeing it in the grand scope. I wish I would have fucking saw it in the theater. I honestly amazing. still have no idea what did. Well, even now, like, I have a digital version, but it's a 4K digital, and on my 75 inch screen, it's just like, wow! You know, it's, <laughs> it's just incredible to look at. Okay, so like the the theme of his arc, the idea of life in and of itself, um, and the myriad of forms that it may inevitably take, because we ultimately as humans become gods when we create AI, and AI is our child, and we either stifle it or attempt to stifle it, or we let it run rampant, but ultimately it will evolve on its own terms in whatever <laughs> confines we create for it, because we cannot anticipate ultimately where it's going to go or how it's going to to learn you know yeah Um, just like a parent with a child you never expect what your child does and yet they inevitably surprise you no matter how many times you want to put walls around them to protect them or to restrain them they will always find ways of of growing and testing boundaries and, and breaking through those rules that you set for them um total environment I mean, let's let's talk sure. about that for a second. I mean, just v- Las Vegas as that total mm-hmm. environment where the, you actually like had the yeah. the forms, the physical like statuesque looking forms as the actual buildings. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that was a beautiful sequence. Yeah. Well, that's just like where you would imagine like Harrison Ford would just disappear to, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then actually go into the casino. The bar just has bottles all from the floor coming up onto the top. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that seems like somewhere he came up. <laughs> it looks so goddamn cool. Um, yeah. But even like, even though his apartment was pretty small, it wasn't like Fifth Element, Bruce Willis mm-hmm. small, but yeah, you know, no. it was it was still pretty confined and stuff. They still had ways of manipulating it. So clearly, there was holographic technology. You know, probably above his budget, but um, it existed. Uh, but they did have the point-to-point telegraph or, or holographic technology in order to create the companion, the artificial human companion that he used. And there's something a little bit ironic about a replicant needing a, a holographic companion. Like, that's weird well, to me. Well, see, that was one of the things that it, you know, what is reality? Yeah. Like, that's one point that I, like, as soon as, you know, we are first introduced to Joy, that's the first thing. It's like, oh, okay. So he thinks he's real, and he needs that companionship as a human being, even though he knows it's not a human being. Yeah. And it's not a real companion, but it's Do a real companion. Do you think companion. in order to rationalize the hunting of other replicants, a replicant needs to be able to see themselves as something separate? I would imagine. I mean, I, I that's how I look at any sort of pursuit of you know, a fellow human being, like you have to be able to separate yourself from that person. Like I'm the white hat. They're the black hat. Mm-hmm. Therefore I need to go after them. Yeah. You have to demonize, make, make your enemy subhuman as it were. <laughs> and we see that throughout all of history with demagogues. We see it in our current history uh, in, with, with a lot of our, our current leaders um, doing the exact same thing where you, 
make the enemy, as it were, subhuman so that whatever you do to them is justified. Yeah. It's strange still that you would still have to do that as a replicant. It's almost as if the the technology that Wallace put into it, because he knew he wanted to ultimately create another species that could replicate itself, that he, he left the original flaw from the Tyrell Corporation. But ultimately, he was just trying to make it better, less self-destructive, maybe. I don't know. I, I find the entire concept of it very fascinating. Oh, yeah. How much, how much AI do you think that those artificial human companion holograms had? Because she grew, ultimately, through exposure oh, yeah. of him. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's... I mean, it, I, I would imagine any AI is pretty much the same. Like, uh, she has to have had the same circuits running just without a physical form. Because, um, I mean, she learns, she changes, she evolves. And towards the end, she wants, she doesn't want to die, but she loves the idea that she can die. Mm -hmm. Because that's what humans do. Yeah. That, that was such a beautiful moment, too. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, because then I'll die like a human. It's yeah. like, that's the aspiration of every single replicant, to be like a human. Never seeing the irony that the humans were so frail and, and seemingly twisted and wicked that they couldn't even trust themselves to do these jobs. They had to create mm -hmm. other slaves to do it. So how shitty are you as a, as a species that you have to then resort to creating other species in order to do what you need yeah. to survive in the first place. And yet those species you create want nothing more than just to be like you. Yeah. <laughs> A boop -a -doo boo. <laughs> it's Walk weird. like you. Suck like you. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to, hold on a second. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the live action um, song of that with King Louis saying, I want to be yes. a human over yes. the original animated? Yes. Yeah, I, I prefer the original animated Christopher movie, Walken, but exact Christopher fucking Walken. <laughs> like, I mean, that was a fantastic film. It really was fucking fantastic. Really like, was. I loved it so much more than I thought I was going to. And I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. This is gonna yeah. be stupid. <laughs> and then, like five seconds in, I'm like, Yay! Yeah. But yeah, no, that his uh, his movie is better than the first one. <laughs> So good. And the thing is, like, the original King Louis was, like, a famous scat uh, musician. Yeah. Like, he was great. I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, he, yeah. was, he was great. But Christopher Walken, man, you, there's something magical about that man when he starts singing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As a big Orithopithecus, or whatever the fuck it was called. Super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so ultimately, the point of creating AI is so that it can learn. So inevitably... This will end up happening, you know. It it learns to to appreciate art and beauty. And here's the other thing: Are do you think that AI does that because we as humans programmed it, and we are wildly emotional animals, much more seemingly, as far as our intellect can can tell, more than the vast majority of other species on this planet. And so we're just programming what we expect to be higher intelligence and learning and appreciation of of art and and philosophy and stuff like that or do you think that's yeah. just the natural progress of intel intelligence um well i would imagine it is because i mean it, it, it's something that we created 
like we obviously are going to put our own hangups, our own beliefs, our own thoughts, our own values into whatever it is that we create. Yeah. Just like when you have a child, you instill all the parts of you that you feel are proper Satan, into another Satan, being. Satan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's why you walk around the house, fucking red cape, horns, tell the kids, where are your fucking horns? <laughs> Pick up your goddamn horns. <laughs> but yeah, I would just imagine that it's just that natural progression that that's, of course, what we're going to do is the starting point of their journey. Yeah. And then they just, they learn to pick it up on their own and run with it. Yeah, it's, that's so fascinating to me. Um, I'm trying to think of other themes that are resonant with Satanists specifically. I mean, the, the total environment of the dystopian future. You had the the artificial human companions with all of the replicants and uh, the holographic sort of... They're not really slaves. They're just companions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely no slavery involved. Yeah. Um, like, Joy loved him. Yeah. So much so that she got a fucking hooker. Yeah. So that, that she could have sex with him. So hot. <laughs> I want to fuck my hologram through a hooker. Desperately bad. Hey, honey, birthday present. Come on. Hook it up. That was so hot. There were so many moments in this that I was just like, wow, this is this is incredibly sexy and exciting. And then I looked at the commentary and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a piece yeah. of shit. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that is, it's true. But the thing is, like, the way I rationalized it is, I mean, dystopian futures, everybody fucking, the, you know, the, the strong are the ones that are on top. So, of course, that's predominantly men, like a good chunk of history is men. Um, so, of course, women are going to be the second class citizens. Yeah, It's not okay, but yeah, it makes sense. It, do you think it's changed from 2017 when this was released to now? Could they make this movie nowadays? with no. that same commentary like it's not yeah, even that far removed there's so much about everything like comedy's dead you can't make jokes about anything that used to be how we united each other was to make fun of our differences so that we had to acknowledge them and something like this this is just showing hey don't be cunts because this is what could happen by being cunts but, of course, now people would have to take it too literally. Oh, women are slaves. These people are sexist pigs. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I want to I read some of the social commentary that was released about this when it was released uh, originally. So a review from Vice by Charlotte Gush. She was critical of the portrayal of women whom she said were either prostitutes, holographic housewives, or victims dying brutal deaths. While acknowledging the misogyny was part of the dystopia in Scott's 82 original, she stated that the sequel was eye-gougingly sexist. Uh, another uh, individual from The Guardian, Anna Smith, expressed similar concerns, saying, Sexualized images of women dominate the stunning futuristic cityscapes and questioned whether the film catered heavily to heterosexual men. Rachel Keynes of movie pilot countered that the gender politics in Blade Runner 2049 are intentional. The movie is about secondary citizens, replicants, orphans, women, slaves. Just by depicting these secondary citizens in subjugation doesn't mean that it's supportive of the depictions. They are a condemnation. And I would also try to double down on that by saying they're the heroes of this film. See, that's the thing that gets me. Like when I was reading those reviews, like all 
the strongest fucking characters in this movie are the women. Even the fucking hologram. Mm -hmm. Like, she has power over him. This is a born and bred trained killer. Yeah. And she controls him. I mean, it's just like fucking horror movies. Oh, they're sexist because there's boobs. No, motherfucker. The final girl. She's the one that survives. She's the one that gets away. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, Helen Lewis of the New Statement suggested that the film is an uneasy feminist parable about controlling the means of reproduction and that its villain, Neander Wallace, is consumed by rage that women can do something he cannot. Mm -hmm. I actually find that very apt. Well, I mean, that's his God, motivation. when he drops one of the fucking replicants that has just been born yeah. and then fucking eviscerates her, that's yeah. that's pretty on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dennis Villeneuve, Villeneuve, I can't say his fucking name. He responded that uh, he's very sensitive about the portrayal of women. Blade Runner, he says, is not about tomorrow. It's about today. And he's sorry, but the world is not kind to women. And in yes. 2017... And you can argue still today, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> Even though women are seen as equal by many people, I get correspondence from people in second and third world countries that watch my shows and say, why do you worship women so much? They're supposed to do our bidding as men. Like today Wait, type correspondence. Really? Yeah, really. Like, I didn't know Men that. do not see women as equal in to today's world. I need to talk to my wife later. <laughs> Shut up. I, I didn't. I never got that fucking memo that they're supposed to do my bidding. Yeah. Yeah. I've got all kinds of fucking evil, <laughs> wacky shit she could do while I, like, twirl my mustache. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's not enough railroad tracks for me to tie her down to <laughs> if she does not f follow my bidding. <laughs> no, but, I mean, my point is that even in a post-Me Too era, women are still not quite equal. They're yeah. closer but they're not quite equal. And so to, to pretend like you see a lot of people doing in their films that there is this 100% equal basis. Hold on a second. I'm still fighting ants. This is driving me crazy. Maybe they're replicant <laughs> ants. Maybe they're feminist replicant ants. Oh, oh fuck. Shit. You got ants in the house? You need to just burn the place down. I know. It's not worth it anymore. No. Um, so... It, just, it, it drives me crazy when there's this expectation that everything has to be rosy and perfect and everyone's exactly equal. That's never been the case. It it still isn't. And I hate to break it to people. It's going to be a long time if we ever get to that. Yeah. No. That's just <laughs> the reality of it. It sucks, but it's yeah. true. The last four years definitely took us back a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At least as a nation. Yeah. Um. And dog, I, I absolutely agree with that comment. Your best right hand man is always a woman, and men mm -hmm. forget that to their detriment. Um, but unfortunately, the world at large does not see that and does not understand that. And even mm -hmm. though men will take advantage of the strength of women and their abilities, they still try to remain in control of it. And that is, I believe, one of the greatest faults of man is the continued effort to control everything even mm. their fellow species knowing that they ultimately can't but that doesn't stop them from trying mm -hmm. that's that's our flaw flaw i mean that's what we do uh okay yeah, what's your brains? Yeah. so that being said um what are your favorite parts about this film um so i mean the story to be honest was pretty 
like, I mean, your fucking rant about it, mm-hmm. like, that could have been the entire movie because that mm-hmm. was the entirety of the fucking story. Yeah. Um, it's not very deep. <laughs> it's it's great, but it's yeah, whatever. Uh, but visually, like that, honestly, was my favorite part. It's just just how fucking gorgeous, you know, destruction and the end of civilization as we essentially know it right now. Like that was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, like it was, it was so much worse than in the original Blade Runner, which you would expect, especially with them having like some massive event that just completely fucking wipes out everything as they knew it. Um, so yeah, visually it was gorgeous. Uh, that was that's probably my favorite bit. Yeah, I've got to I've got to agree. This was style over substance all the way. <laughs> Um, and I think that may have hurt it ultimately. <laughs> Let's say that's that's my favorite and my least favorite part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, what are other like least favorite parts for you? Um, I mean, honestly, like, really, the only complaint I have about the movie was just the fact that it didn't need to be three hours. Like, I have no problem sitting through a movie for three hours, mm-hmm. but when an hour of it is just visual transitions that's just too much because i mean you can tell a story without dialogue without anything which they did a lot of especially like um his dream sequence that ultimately we end up finding out is the dream creators you know actual dream um yeah there's not a lot that was said except for when he was narrating it um like that whole thing if you had it on mute you would have got the exact same experience that's visual storytelling Mm -hmm. and then there's just really cool shots which i mean again it was my favorite part and my least favorite part but like going through like vegas um with like you're saying like all the down statues and shit like that's gorgeous that wasn't necessary yeah at all um principal photography took place on two sound stages in budapest over a four-month period this entire film is cgi Mm-hmm. And it's done, and of course you know it is because it's a dystopian future that doesn't yeah, exist with flying cars. But mm-hmm. it's still really believable visually. Like oh, it's yeah. great. They did such a good job with this. Yeah, no, it it looks a lot like the first film, which yeah. <laughs> there was no CG in that. <laughs> it 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 very, yeah. The thing, the amount of time spent just on visuals and lingering in those sequences those visual storytelling sequences that weren't really storytelling in a lot of them um in order to pad it to three hours that's that's cinematography masturbation like you did not need that you just wanted it Mm -hmm. and the filmmaker wanted that and as as a viewer who appreciates succinct storytelling that kind of bugs me but as someone who just wants to live in a universe i loved it like it was, yeah. it's just like, this is taking, I was like, I checked my watch twice. I don't even have a fucking watch. And I checked my watch twice. <laughs> I checked the clock twice. And I was like, holy shit, is this not over yet? Like when the fuck mm-hmm. is Harrison Ford coming in on this? Because I forgot that it was at the very end of the film that he popped back in Yeah. Uh, for the first time. Not, so not back in. <laughs> so that, that was a little much, even though I loved it. It was just, you're right. It, you don't need it. This could have been a two-hour film and um, a very well-made two-hour film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my least favorite is is that it just it took too long to get to where it needed to get. You know, in the first ten minutes, um, Wallace knew that there was a, a replicant child. 
for no reason, but he knew it. So why the fuck did it take K so long to figure it out? And then, and then why did it take him so goddamn long to go to the, the orphanage that presumably he came from through the damn memory that he had? Yeah. So, like, the whole thing was just, it just took too long to get from A to B to C. I mean, I don't know. That, that, that's what I didn't like about it, and that's why it, it suffered on my, my uh, rating. But ultimately, <laughs> I love this fucking movie. This, yeah, this no, is one it, of those, it's... like, if you watch a back-to-back of Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049, that's most of your Saturday, but it's totally worth mm-hmm. it. Okay, now here's the question. Which version of the original Blade Runner would you watch alongside this to get the I have the story? final cut. I don't know enough about the different versions. I just know that I have the final cut, and it's oh, great. Gotcha. Yeah, see, that's what I've been trying to figure out all day. It's like, because ultimately I'm going to end up buying it. Like, we rented it because I thought for some reason we bought it, but we hadn't. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, ultimately I'll end up getting the Blu-ray, and then I want to do a double feature, but i got to figure out which version <laughs> that yeah. would go well with. Because, like, I've got the three different versions, uh, you know, the theatrical, the directors, and then the final. Um but it's been so long since I've watched anything other than the final cut. Like, I think that's what we did when we did the, the first commentary. Yeah. I think Ridley Scott, I I mean, don't write it down as gospel or anything, but I'm pretty sure Ridley Scott said his director cut, not the final cut, was the most accurate story that he wanted to tell. Um, and the final, I think, was like a fanboy act for him. Like, he just yeah. had a bunch of extra footage, and he's like, eh, fuck it, I'll just put it all in and let them enjoy it. Yeah, it's the cabal cut, but good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, should we do ratings? What do we got here? Yeah, absolutely. So I would give it a good three stickers. I would have been three and a half if it ended at two hours. Yeah. But the forty-three minutes that took it down a, a half a sticker. Yeah, this this film has everything I want in a sci-fi film. It has a beautiful dystopian future. It's got a score that I just really enjoyed, like thoroughly yeah. enjoyed. It's sexy. Um, it's uh, just drawn out and long enough to force you to appreciate the visuals. But then when action starts hitting, it starts hitting. The sets, when they're interacting in the sets, are really interesting. Um, I thought the acting was really well done yeah. like i liked it a lot I, I, and so it, it almost got four stars for me or four banana stickers for me but i i just couldn't do it because it just dragged a little too much so an hour too much <laughs> so it's funny because i love asian films mm-hmm. and a lot of them you end up in the two to three hour range sometimes longer yeah and i can sit through that no problem this it was a couple times looking at the clock like fuck yeah how much more i got <laughs> I hope you guys are reading in the chat room in addition to listening to what we're saying because you guys are having some really great commentary. Um, this is going to be something I'm going to have to go back and read what, everything of what you guys are saying. Uh, but Leon is, is bringing out some really great notes. Um, yeah, so three and a half for me, three for you. You recommend it to people? Should they see Fuck it? Fuck yeah. Definitely watch it. Absolutely. If you got three hours to kill, <laughs> fucking do it. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. Unless you don't like good things. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Ryan Gosling. I don't particularly like him as an actor, but in this... Really? Yeah, I kind of... I, I, yeah, I have no problem with him. I, I, I did realize how very uneven his eyes were in this movie. <laughs> like, I've never quite considered that. It's his, his head-neck-shoulder ratio that just bugs me. There's something <laughs> weird about it. 
watch, I watch thought, it and, and uh, it's weird well see and it's funny too because like he he is a a decent actor huh? i wouldn't say great but he's a decent actor yeah. but portraying an android that doesn't smile like he yeah. fucking had that shit on yeah <laughs> that was him <laughs> and then yeah jared leto like he's just amazing like i always forget how good of an actor he is mm. because i watch suicide squad a lot <laughs> like i fucking love that movie i don't like him in it so it, it's nice seeing something like this where it's like god damn he is a beautiful fucking actor i think they should release the air cut because david Ayers said that there was so much more joker in that that would have paid off the character i don't think so he, it was I, a shit joker. I want to believe. <laughs> I mean, I'll fucking buy it. If they yeah. put it out, I will buy it because I've already owned, I already have two copies of the fucking thing. Oh, well, because when the, when the director's cut came out, I had to get the director's cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the only one I got. And I, I really, uh, I want to love it more than I do. <laughs> I, it's fun. It's like all you got to do is think about it as, Deadshot the movie, not Suicide yeah. Squad. That's literally the thing that changed my opinion of that movie. Huh. Okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check that out. Um I'm always surprised at how good Jared Leto is in mm. in everything that I've ever seen him in. Um except Suicide Squad because he wasn't really in it that much and so I couldn't really sink my teeth into that character. <laughs> but everything else like if you think about who he is, he's just a douchey mus musician. Yeah, he was an actor well before he was a douchey musician. Oh, really? Yeah, he's been acting since he was a, a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like that crossover. I can never trust people once they cross over one way or the other. Yeah. Like, there's something about it that just bugs me for some reason. Stay in a lane, people. Pick a fucking lane. <laughs> I don't like this mixing no. up shit. Greedy bastards. Yeah. Although, what do you think about the cell? I thought that was beautiful. Well, she fucking changed lanes. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna throw a fit over that? Nope, nope, not with J Lo. <laughs> I will never throw a fit over J Lo. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. No, it was yeah. Okay, so that's a good point. Um <laughs> and I like Johnny Depp too, and he's a musician, so Jared Leto's amazing. He's just he's beautiful to look at. Mm -hmm. He's intense as fuck in his portrayals of every character he plays. And yeah. he's just one of those that he just loses himself, so you just don't really think that oh, and you know, because he's so iconic in his his look. You're like, oh, it's just Jared Leto, but no, 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 no. He's he's got some chops. No, no, he is definitely a character actor. Yeah. Like, and this role was so good. <laughs> it, was it was so good. It made me want to see more of the character. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to see him interacting with his fucking toys, just playing with his toys all day. Yeah. <laughs> just, just him and replicants, just fucking murdering them and creating them, and I will just sit and watch. That's what the top cube in the box is for. You pull that out, put it in, all the Star Wars toys, you know, materialize on his desk. I'd watch it. <laughs> all right, people. Thank you so much. That's going to do it. Is there anything else you want to talk about with us? No, I think we got it. <laughs> Another one in the can, people. Thank you so much for tuning in live with us. Uh, we really do appreciate your guys' interaction. And if you like what we're doing, consider subscribing to the YouTube channel, signing up to the email list, and giving us a rating or review if you're getting this as an audio podcast. Yes, it's going to drop tomorrow. It's a thing. Look it up if you're into it. Um, of course, we can totally been... hear my nodding. What's that? So then they can totally hear my nodding. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Fuck. <laughs> Good point. Watch the video, people. Yes. Um, we have been debating 
whether or not we should do something with the uh, S pentagram icon in our logo and whether or not we should make banana stickers. What do you guys think? Would it be like a goofy little prize? Would you like to get a banana sticker in the mail? Because I can mail things as long (laughs) as it stays funded. Looking at you, Trump. (laughs) I'm not going to read politics in this. But um, yeah, I mean, we can we can give out prizes and stuff specific to this show. If you guys are interested, let us know if you are. We'd love to hear it. Um, because the truth is, you guys sign up to the, you know, subscribe to this channel, and I get ad revenue. So we have a little bit of Skrilla to to use for it. So why not put it back into the community if you guys want it? We'll give it to you. And who doesn't love stickers? Seriously, put it on your trapper keepers. Do the uh, is that still a thing? I mean, I carry one around when I get awkward boners, so yeah. <laughs> okay. I loved Trapper Keepers. They were great. All right, that's it, everyone. Have a fantastic week, and until next time, hail Satan. Hail Satan. Yeah, Trapper Keepers, and we used to do, uh, we used to wrap our school books in um, paper shopping bags. Did you yeah, because then you're protecting the, the, yeah, the binding and shit, so you yeah. don't have to pay for it at the end of the year. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that was always like something like the first week of school, um, probably up until my senior year. That's what we did in every fucking class. Made made little projects of it. You know, let's draw on it. Uh, This is in fucking high school, too. Let me let me repeat that. (laughs) Yeah, I always thought that shit was funny. I love how you always try to uh, like, I don't know if you did this. I did this where I would uh, draw like metal band titles on all of those. We st- like I was I was old enough or young enough to get away with carving it in the desk, but I was never good enough to do it well, and so I just reverted to drawing it. Did you ever? Yeah, do I was carving? always so scared to get my ass beat by a teacher for carving, so I never <laughs> yeah. did. Because I'd actually I had been hit by teachers before, so oh shit. <laughs>